Well, I want to kind of start with a kind of a silly question, but uh, when, when you came in this morning and, and you sat down in your chair, what gave you the confidence that it wouldn't break? Right? I mean, did you think, even think about that? I bet you didn't. Like, I, I've, you know, I'm 18th year here now. I've, I've never seen someone come in and be like, before they sat down, shaking it, pulling out their Leatherman and tightening the screws or anything like that. I've, I've never seen anybody do that. Right? And what gives you that confidence to come and be like, <sighs> and sit down without even thinking twice about it? Some of you are like, oh, should I be? Like, I don't know. Right? And just like, there, I think it's the reason you do that is because you have this, this accumulated experience of coming in here and sitting down in the chair actually holding you up, right? You don't, you don't, you don't question that. And I think that's, that's exactly how a relationship with God and, and faith in Jesus and, and confidence in Him works. That there's a, there's a certain level of, of, of reason that we bring to the table when we examine faith, when we examine the gospel, when we examine the, the claims of the truth of the Bible, right? There's, there's a confidence that, that accumulates over years, right? The, the more time that we spend in the Bible, the more time that we spend in prayer, the more times that we gather together corporately to worship God, I mean, there's this growing confidence that, that happens in us as we're like, you know, as, as I read and I study the word of God, it, I'm believing more and more that, that it's true. That the word of God is, is accurate for, for me and for my life and for my marriage and for my, my family, for my church. And so there's, there's this accumulated kind of confidence that we get as we grow in our faith. Right? There's a, that once we, we put our, our faith in Jesus, there's this, this deepening sense of certainty, actually. That the, that the gospel is, is true and, and our relationship with our, our Heavenly Father, it is real. And I think that that's God's desire as we've been studying this, this book of, of 1 John. We've been, you know, all summer long, right? We're in week 12 of this series. And so I, I think John's desire when he sat down and he wrote this letter, it, it was to the, these believers to, in his church that, like, I, I want you to have confidence in, in your relationship with Jesus. And so if you remember what, you know, John is writing to this church in Ephesus, right? So he's, he's their pastor, right? This is, this is Jesus' best friend, you know, his beloved disciple, right? And, and so this, this church, though, that he's writing to, like, they are going through a, a pretty stressful time. They're watching as, as church members walk out the door, as, as leaders and teachers in the church walk out the door. They, they, these people who are so-called professing followers of Jesus, like, they're walking out because they're abandoning the faith. They're completely rejecting the historical truths of who Jesus is. And so this, this remaining group, this remaining faithful group of, of believers in Jesus, they're, they're like, they're, they're shaken, they're anxious, they're, they're, they're confused, they're, they're, they're unsettled. And I think maybe some of them might even be tempted to doubt whether or not they even had the real thing and who Jesus is. And so John, he sits down and he writes this letter, this pastoral letter to this church. And, and I think his goal for, for, in writing this letter, and I think God's you know, desire for us as the people of Charter Oak Church, that as we read and we study this, this book, right, that we would have this renewed sense of confidence of who we are in Jesus. And so as we've been reading this, this book together you know, and just studying 1 John, some of it, it it's been difficult to process. 
John has been direct. He's been convicting. He, he, I mean, he certainly never plays any kind of games with his word. And words we're going to see today, he is very black and white on what we're going to study today. And, and this section that we're also going to study today, as, as I was reading, as I was studying, I began to realize there's, there's all kinds of differing opinions about what this passage means. And some scholars have even written that this is one of the most difficult passages in all of the Bible to understand. And so I just, I want to be very clear and very simple in explaining what what John is writing and and what it means for you and me today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We're in 1 John chapter 5. There's some Bibles in the back. If you'd like a Bible, um, you don't have one, it's our our gift for you today. Um, Or you just need to borrow one because you forgot yours or didn't want it to get all wet from the rain when you came in. Um, But we're going to be in verses 6 through 12 today. Um, So let me read through it, um, and then we'll come back and talk about it. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which, has given, which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. And so throughout 1 John, John has been compelling his his church members, the the people of faith, to, to continue to believe in Jesus as the Son of God. And so now as this letter is, is drawing to a conclusion, John, he just, he strenuously, he just, he repeats this to them. He makes sure, like remember, he's the chief reminding officer. He likes to, to remind them over and over and over again just to make sure that they get it and that we get it. What is it that we are to believe about Jesus? And I think that's what, what John outlines here in verses 6 through 12. And so, so John's instruction, it, it really, it, it focuses on the testimony about, you know, of, of, of three. We're going to look at three. And so historically, if you read through the, the kind of the full counsel of Scripture, you'll see time and time again it says that someone cannot be convicted of something unless there are two or three witnesses that comes to bear. And, and so this, you're going to see this word testify and witness, right? And so it's in there 10 different times. It's almost like John is trying to have us close our eyes and picture a court scene. And there's going to be some evidence that is brought to bear. There's going to be some testimony. And based on that testimony, there, there needs to be, you know, an answer that is given based on that testimony. What is the verdict? And so John is inviting us today to listen to the testimony and then for each one of us to make a decision about the verdict. So that's where we're going today. All right, so let's look again at verse 6. So let's start with the testimony part. Let's talk about this testimony of Jesus. Verse 6, he writes, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. 
right? And so he's laying it out. This is a courtroom, right? This is a court of law, if you want to have it, think of it that way. And it's where we're going to present some information to you. And so, so the nature of Jesus has been under attack at his church. And he's like, okay, if it's under attack, then we need to like, remind ourselves, we need to talk about what the truth is about Jesus. And so John's going to bring that testimony of two, really three, to affirm the truth of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. And so throughout this series, we've been writing in our Bibles. If you're going to do that today, then, then I would you know, just say, underline the word water. That's three times. Blood is twice. And then circle testifies. You're going to see that word testify. We're going to just keep circling it and circling it. Okay, so, so let's talk about the testimony of water first. Look at the first part of verse 6 again. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Now, I, sometimes I, I read God's word and, and, and certain words jump out at me. Right? And so why did he use the word, you know, this is the one who came? Right? Why did John use the word came? Right? Not born. And I don't think he's, he's arguing the fact that Jesus wasn't born. Right? But, but I think what he's trying to do is he's, he's trying to connect something for us. He, he, he wants us to see just what Jesus has done. He, he came from heaven down to earth. Right? He took up residence in our, he put on flesh and blood and he took, blood, and he took up residence in, in our neighborhood. Right? And, and so like, this is, he is wanting to say, this is his heavenly origin, but he chose to come down to us. And so this is one of those places where there's, there's you know, authors or you know, scholars will say there's, there's some confusion, there's different kind of interpretations of water and the spirit here. Some people say that it, it represents baptism and communion, like they have a, a high, you know, Eucharistic, you know, theology of the sacraments. Right? And then there's some of them that say, you know, it's the water and, and, and represents the water and the blood that came out of Jesus' side. Remember when, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he had just died, right? And a Roman soldier, to make sure that he was really dead, took the spear and, and put it into his side. And it says that the water and blood just rushed from Jesus' body. Some scholars say it means that. But, but what most scholars say, and, and I, I, I believe with them, believe them and agree with them, is that, that water and blood, it, it, it refers to Jesus' baptism and death. Right, so let's talk about the, the baptism, his, his water and baptism, right? So, so Jesus was, was baptized, and it really, it authenticated the identity of Jesus. And this is explained in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 11. Right, so, so John the Baptist, he's preaching, right? And people, he's, he's standing on the, on the banks of the Jordan River and people are coming to him. They're repenting of their sin. They're, they're being baptized. And Jesus comes up and, and he says, I, you need to baptize me. And John's like, no, no, no. Jesus like, yeah, you got to. And so Jesus goes down into the water and John baptizes him, brings him out of the water. And then it says this in verse 11. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And so in, the, in this moment that Jesus is coming out of the baptism of waters, right, he's declaring, he, this is my son, he's declaring his divinity, that he is the son of God, right? And so Jesus, he, when he's being baptized by John, he's, he's really, he, he's connecting himself to, to forgiveness, of, repentance and the forgiveness of sins, right? Jesus, he, he didn't need to be forgiven, right? He, he's perfect in every way. But, but he wanted to, to, to connect with what people are doing. They're going in, they're, they're confessing their sins, they're turning from their old life into a new life, and, and they, they want to do this, this public thing of declaring their, that they've been forgiven by God. 
It's a, it's an ex, baptism is an external sign of, a, of an inward reality of a changed life. And so Jesus is like, I, I don't need to be baptized, but I want to identify with it because I want to identify with people who are repenting and receiving forgiveness and being washed whiter than snow. And so Jesus, in, in his baptism, it really authenticates his messianic role. That yes, he is the savior of the world. He came to save us from our sins. So that's the testimony of water. Then second is the testimony of the blood. Look at the second part of, of verse 6. John writes, he did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And listen, this is the dividing line right here. It's almost, you know, if John was, you know, reading this to us today, I think what he would do is he, if he was, you know, standing outside, he would just take his foot and he'd just draw this line in the sand. He said, this is it. This is, this, what I just said is the dividing line between us and the, the false teachers that, that have left our church. Right? He, he's, there will be people who would say, you know, hey, I, I love Jesus. Right? He's a great teacher. Right? The, the, the others would say, hey, I, I love Jesus. Oh, he, he's the miracle worker. Right? Or I, I love Jesus, the, the example. I mean, oh, he's so moral. Right? And, and like, but here's the thing. Like, they, they, just, they, they don't just, but here's the thing. This is the line drawn in the line, drawn in the sand. They love Jesus, the miracle worker and the healer and the example and everything. They don't love Jesus, the crucified, though. They don't want to look to the cross. They don't want to think about the substitutionary cost of, of Jesus going and paying the price for your sin and for my sins. They don't want to talk about the blood. They don't want to talk about sacrifice. They just they want to keep it at the surface and, and be like, oh, man, no, I, just, I don't like blood. I don't like the fact that someone had to pay a price for, for me and I don't want to think that I'm bad or evil or sinful or whatever. I see the, the blood that Jesus sheds on the cross, it, it testifies to, to who he is as the Son of God. It testifies to, to his, the work that he had to do on the cross on our behalf. And, I mean, and just think about the, the miraculous events that, that surrounded Jesus' death on the cross. So, uh, so they've nailed Jesus to the cross, and this is found in, in Matthew chapter 27. Jesus is nailed to the cross, and, and, and it says that, that darkness overtook, verse 45. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. Thunderclouds weren't just rolling in. Right? This is darkness. In the middle of the day, supernatural darkness covered the land. And then after Jesus breathed his last breath, he said, is it finished? At that very moment, something happened in the temple. Verse 51, first part. At that moment, the t curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So this, this separation from the, from the Holy of Holies and, and, and the holy place, like, it was separated. We were no longer separated from God. We could approach God through Jesus. And in the second part of verse 51, it says, the next, the earth shook and the, and the rocks split. And, and then, in verse 52, it says, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Like, this doesn't happen with anybody else ever in the history of the world whenever they die, except for one man, the Son of God. And so these, these miracles, are really, they're testifying that in the death of Jesus, he truly was the Son of God. That it, that it was necessary for Jesus to die for our sins. 
And those miraculous events pointed towards that. I mean, I mean even people who were not believers, even people who hated Jesus, people who, who were actually probably the guys who nailed Jesus to the cross, even they realized something was going on. Matthew 27, 54 says, when the centurion and those with him, like, so these are Roman soldiers, big, beefy guys who work for the government, right? That work for the empire. Right? They said, when, when they were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. And so the testimony of the blood, even for people who weren't believers, that Jesus, he's the son of God. So we have the testimony of the water and the testimony of the blood. And then third is the testimony of the spirit. Look at the third part of verse six. And it is the spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth. And so if you read through the gospels, you know, the first four books of the New Testament, and you just, you look for all the places where the Holy Spirit was engaged in Jesus' life. Right, at his conception, at his birth, at his baptism. He, he, he was the one who, who told Jesus to go out into the, the desert to be tempted for, for 30 days. Right? He's the one who, who ministered to Jesus when those 30 days were over. He was there in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Holy Spirit is there. He's there. He's there everywhere. Right? And so he's, he's the, where else do you see the Holy Spirit anywhere following someone around? Just, it's Jesus and him alone. And so everything that the Spirit speaks about Jesus' life is reliable because, as John says, he is the truth. There's no falsehood in him. So that's the testimony of the Holy Spirit. So as you think about these, these three that are, that are making a, a testimony, they're testifying to who Jesus is. Like, you got to ask yourself, like, so, so why is this significant for me? Why is this significant 2,000 years later? Well, look at verses 7 and 8. John explains. He says, For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in what? In agreement. Right? And so if you're, you're writing your Bibles, you can circle, circle testify and underline agreement. Right? So, so like, this is, this is like one of those things, like, what is, what's the version, what's the, the type of verb here, right, for testifies? Right, so this is something that, that they did in the past, right? but it's also it's something that continues on into the present. It's still true. These three are still testifying to who Jesus is. And, and so these three, they're, they're in agreement in, in the sense that they are one in, in what they are saying about Jesus. They are unified. And they, they're all speaking the same truth. Jesus is the Son of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Right? And so in a court of law, when this is written, and long before, there had to be two or three witnesses that agreed on something. And they, they, these three agree on who Jesus is. If you remember whenever Jesus was on trial, it says that the, the chief priests and the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they, they brought in people who, who were false witnesses. And e even as they're, they're, they're saying things against Jesus, they, none of them were in agreement. None of them. And yet here is the, the water and the blood and, and the Holy Spirit that are in complete agreement on who Jesus is. And so, okay, verse 9 says, we accept, and this, is, this is the difference between how we think and, and how things happen in, in the heavenly realms. Verse 9 says, we accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater 
Because of the testimony of God, which he has given about his son. So typically, we, we are like, hey, human testimony, yeah, I, I believe that. Like, even though the, the, the witnesses that were called, you know, that said different things about Jesus, they're like, okay, well, we'll just, we'll take your word on it. We're going to nail him to the cross. I mean, think about the, who influences you and who influences me, right? News media, right? Social media. What would people in your, your circle of influence and your family say about you? I mean, and, and so we, we accept that. We're like, oh, that's what it says on my news source, so it must be true. If it's on the internet, it must be true, right? No. But what do we do? We accept it. We're like, yeah. Somebody said that, so it has to be true. And so he's like, no, no, like, this is, don't you understand? We're, we're not talking about human testimony, John said. He's like, I, I want to talk about God's testimony. It's, it's greater, he says. Right? It, it has more authority than, than any news media or social media or anyone in our lives. Right? So, so the, the irony is, like, we'll be like, oh, well, you know, I know that this is what the Bible says, but I, I really like what my news channel says to me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put more stock into that. Or I'm going to base my identity on, on, on how many likes I get on the internet or, or anything like that. Right? We're more influenced by the testimony of, of others. And John's like, come on. We, 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 we have to listen to, to what God is saying to us. And so, so many people, you know, today, they, they reject, you know, God's testimony about Jesus and his death and his, his resurrection and even the, the work of the Holy Spirit. But God is saying, here, I've got three witnesses for you. Three who are testifying that he is the Son of God. And so really for, for all of us, it means we, we have to ask ourselves, who has greater influence is it the people, the testimony of people in this world, or is it the word of God? Which one has more influence in your life and in my life? And so we've listened to the witnesses. We called the three. They sat in the, the witness chair. We've heard their, their witnesses. So now it's time for the verdict about Jesus. Look at verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God, he has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. So if you're writing your Bible, you can underline believes and accepts and, and, and liar, and then you can circle testimony because it's in there twice. And so, so the, like, the world, if you, you get on the internet for five minutes, you, you'll find all kinds of differing opinions kind of, that have become acceptable opinions about Jesus. And John's like, let me be clear. There's only two. And, and, and both of them have unalterable consequences. I mean, and Jesus is like, hey, in Matthew 12, 30, whoever is not with me is against me. And he's not like, you can be my fan, and you can follow me whenever it's convenient and when it's easy, when people are getting cued and people are getting fed. Right? No, he's like, you either are for me or you're against me. He's really clear, black and white. And John's like, this is black and white. So let's look at the, the two options here. And the first one, according to John, is that somebody believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And so that, that, that word believes is, is, is a continual, ongoing, growing belief in Jesus. Like, it's not this decision like, hey, back when I was 21 years old, right, I, I gave my life to Jesus. I made a decision to put my faith in Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And that was a moment for me, right? I'll never forget it. 
He's not just talking about, hey, this is something you believe, believed at that moment, and you're like, oh, good, I put my faith in Jesus that I'm not going to hell, I have fire insurance. He's talking about when he says believes, he's like, you made a decision, now that decision continues on into the present. And it's an ongoing belief in Jesus. And so the person who, who puts their faith believes that Jesus is the Son of God, like this person is, is actively engaged in following Jesus. Right? And so this person believes that, that what God has testified about Jesus is 100% true. And then this person makes a decision. I, I'm going to base my life on the life of Jesus. Hey, my relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship in my life. And I'm going to filter every decision in my life through the lens of Jesus. That's what he's talking about here. Right? And, and what that looks like for you today and probably is going to look different for you in, in the future and, and what it looked like before. Like There should be a difference in the, in the way that we live our everyday, ordinary lives. There should be difference from the way that you looked and lived for Jesus a month ago or a year ago, like whenever I was 21 or, or whenever you know, we're older. <laughs> right? You should be able to see it. And so like, this is, like, people are like, this is what I believe? Now, here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to live my life. Look at verse 11. John writes, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is, is in his son. So you can circle testimony again, underline has given. Right? And so I, I, I love this, this, this promise God has given us. Right? So this, this is a gift Right? There's nothing we can earn, we can't merit this, we'll, we'll never be smart enough or good enough or, or work hard enough. It's, not, it's, it's Jesus plus nothing. Right? And so, so this person is saying, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to root myself in this gift of grace that's, that's been given to me. And, and what is it that he's given us? Two things. When I was 21, or the moment when you, you made Jesus your Lord and Savior, like the promise is it has been given eternal life. You're going to spend eternity worshiping our Heavenly Father, walking the streets of gold. You're going to get a, a new body. All relationships are going to restore, be restored. You, everything is going to be made brand new. That's what has been given to you through faith in Jesus. And you've also been given life now. You've been given a, uh, the opportunity to, to live into your salvation today. Right? Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Right? And so uh, there's, there's a difference in the way that we live our everyday ordinary life when, when we're in Jesus. And so, so the first option is as you hear the witness of the water and the blood and the Holy Spirit to say, you know what? I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and I'm going to base my life on my relationship with him. That's the first option. The second option is that I've heard the witness of the water and the blood and the Holy Spirit. You know what? I reject Jesus. Look what, it said, what John writes in second part of verse 10. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And so you can underline not believe and liar and you can circle again testimony. And so John's like, look, I love you guys so much. I, I don't want to play any games with you. I, I, I don't want to kind of be, you know, different shades of gray or whatever. I just, I need to be black and white here. If you don't believe that Jesus is the son of God who came to take away the sins of the world, then you're declaring that God is a liar. 
Right? Not, that, not simply that, that God at, at one point and at one time lied to us, but that he is a liar from, from the moment that, that we began creation. That, that God is a liar, that none of the stuff that is written in, in the word of God is true. And none of it about Jesus is true. I've, I've listened to the testimony of the water and the blood and the Holy Spirit, and no, I don't believe. I reject Jesus, and God is a liar. And, and so like some people, they'll be like, oh, Chris, like that, that's harsh, man. Like, you're pushing a little bit too hard, too far, right? Like, I, I, I don't hate Jesus. Right, or I, I'm okay with Jesus, or maybe even like, Jesus was a great teacher. Like, can't we just have those parts? And John's like, no. John's saying, like, if you don't say, I love Jesus, and I belong to him through his substitutionary work on the cross, then you're rejecting Jesus. It's that simple, and it's that clear, and you're saying, hey, God, you're a liar. I mean, that's, and so like, John's like, this was what's on the line. Either you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, or you reject Jesus. And it's that clear, and it's that simple. And John's like, oh, look, I don't want to play any games. Like, You've got to understand this. Look at the second half of, of verse 12. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. You don't, you don't have eternal life in heaven with God, and you, you don't have life now. And so we, we come to this place where, okay, we, we've heard the testimony, and you and I, we, we have a decision to make. And, and the first really is, is, is a personal decision. Like, what do, what do you? What, what do each one of us believe about Jesus? Do we believe that he is the Son of God who came to take away the sins of the world? And then if the answer is yes, then, then what are you going to do with that belief? And, and because it, it leads to the second part, because, you know, we, especially in our country, sometimes we, we make everything just about the individual. As long as I'm good, as long as I'm going to heaven, I'm happy. But what about your circle of influence? What about the people that you, you work with, that you go to school with, that you're neighbors with, maybe in your family? who aren't sure what they believe about Jesus, or the, they, they've listened to the, the witnesses of this world and, and they've determined what they believe about Jesus from, from that perspective. Like, what, like, do you care enough? Like, we talked about this agape love throughout this series. Like, do you care so much about the people in your circle of influence that, that you would be so bold and so daring that you would live out the gospel? That they want to know, I, 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 I recognize there's something different in you. Like there's, there's a change that happened. Like, why is there a change in your life? And you'd be like, because I gave my life to Jesus. And I'm not perfect, and I'm still trying to figure things out, but there's definitely a change, a transformation that's occurred in me. And we, we want to be disciple makers here. We want to be people who, who share the gospel with those who, who don't know Jesus. We don't just want to hoard it for ourselves. We want to tell other people about Jesus as well. And so there's a decision all of us have to make. What do we believe about Jesus? And what are we going to do about it? And so as we, we close in prayer in our last couple songs, just that the Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us and, and move in us in and, and, and ways that help us to see where we are, that we can, yeah, I have the confidence, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Now I'm going to go live it out. Or I, I, I have not actually made that decision to put my faith in Jesus and today's my day.
to make that decision. Let's pray. Grace on Father, we are so grateful that there is a, the testimony of the water and the blood and the spirit that um, tell us about who Jesus is. Sometimes I think, God, we, we, we take your word for granted and we, we have, we're influenced by the things of this world more than we're influenced um, by what you say. And so we've come to the place of a decision this morning, God. And if, if you're here today and, and you have not made a decision about Jesus, then I invite you to make one right now. That you would make the decision that you do believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That by faith that you would put your life into his hands and declare that he is your Lord and your Savior. And if you're ready to make that decision, then I invite you to pray with me just quietly to yourself. Gracious God, I've listened to the testimony today. I look up at the cross and I see that Jesus died for me and for my sins. And I realized three days later, you, you conquered my sin and my death when you raised Jesus from the dead. Thank you, God. I do believe now that Jesus is your son. By grace, through faith, I, I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And God, I pray for those of us who just kind of been, been playing around with Jesus. He, we're a fan of Jesus, seem as a, a teacher or a model or a moral guy. God, I pray that, that we would get off the fence and that we would fully devote ourselves to you. And then, God, that we would not hoard this good news about life now and life eternal, but instead we would go out into our circles of influence and, and, and share what you have done for us in rescuing us. Oh, God, we give our lives to you. We surrender it all to you, Father, for your glory, honor, and praise. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.